0: Good morning. Before we uh, before we get started, I just want to uh, just I guess make a personal request, just that uh, that you all, as a church, pray for uh, pray for me and for my family, for sending our two girls. Um, it's been a really really tough year, past eighteen months, and a lot of big decisions to make. Uh, a lot of big decisions about the future to make and. In a couple of weeks, we're gonna we're, just, we're gonna go away as a family, and we just ask that when we do that, that um, that y'all pray for us, and you pray as we together as a family um, try to discern God's will uh, for the future. That God would speak loudly and clearly um, as we just ask Him to move uh, in our lives. So, just ask you to do that for us. Everybody, do that. All right. I got another question. Anybody, anybody worried? Anybody wonder what I'm talking about? Tell the truth. Tell the truth. Raise your hand if you wonder what I'm talking about. Okay, at least one person cares about me. Anybody? <laughs> does anybody feel sorry for me? Wonder what's going on? Yeah, okay. So I got some sympathy and some care. Okay, here's the truth. The truth is, uh, for, I don't know, a minute there, I deceived you. I really did. But I deceived you by saying truthful things. It's true, the last 12, 18 months have been decision-filled months. But that's no different than the, any previous 12 to 18 months. It's always full of decisions. That's part of leadership. That's why everybody doesn't do it. And the truth is, the, sending the girls and I, we're going to get away. Uh, in a couple of weeks, we're going to go away for you know a few days. And, and we're going to be praying uh, that God speak to us but we always pray that prayer. We always want you to pray that, that God clearly speaks to us as we discern his will about the future. That's also part of leadership. You always have to be looking out into the future saying, God, what do you want? What are we supposed to do? So there's no crisis, even though you may have thought, uh-oh, is there a crisis, something going on? Is he thinking something? I hope he's not thinking. None of that's true. But I deceived some of you by saying truthful things. I deceived you by the way I said it, my posture, the tone of my voice, inserting a couple of sighs in there. You probably thought something's wrong. You can deceive people by saying truthful things. You don't have to use lies to deceive people. You can tell all truth and still be deceitful. In the New Testament, Jesus talks about Oh, by the way, there's nothing wrong, just so you know, okay? (laughs) Nothing. It's no different than any other year, any other summer, any other vacation. But still, pray for us, okay? Do that. Jesus talks about the master deceiver. His name is Satan. In fact, in the New Testament, Jesus said Satan came to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He talks about that in the New Testament. There's some Bibles coming down the aisles right now. If you're here for the first time at Point. We love for everyone to have a Bible. If you don't have one, raise your hand. They'll loan you one for the day, or if you need one, you can take that home with you. It's yours to keep because we believe the words in there are God's words, and they're true, and they will change your life. So take one if you don't have one. You can follow along in there or on the screen as I read from God's Word today. So you can be deceived not only by lies but by truth. So Satan doesn't just use lies to deceive, that's kind of easy to see, right? We're all somewhat intelligent people, so when something's a lie and you know it, that's pretty easy to see. But what happens when he uses truth to make us believe things that are lies? In this new series we're starting today called You Don't Have What It Takes, we're going to examine four things, four statements that are true But Satan uses those statements in our lives to cause us to believe things that are not true about ourselves and about God. Statement number one, you can't be good enough. That is true, you can't. Nobody can. But he uses that truth to cause us to believe, make us believe lies. Statement number two, we're going to examine. You can't please everybody. That's true you can't you ever tried doesn't work statement number three we're going to examine which i can't remember is you can't have it all you can't have it all people try but they don't and then the last one last week of this series we're going to talk about you can't control the future they're all true but each of those statements said in a certain way, put in a certain context, filtered into our lives in a certain manner, will cause us to believe lies about ourselves and lies about God. So today, the first one, you can't be good enough. It's true, you can't. You cannot be good enough, and yet our spiritual enemy, Satan, uses the truth that you can't be good enough and beats us down into believing something that keeps us from living the life that God wants us to live. When we listen to Him say, "You can't be good enough," you can't be good enough. It talks us out of doing what God would have us do. See, the truth of "you can't be good enough" is th- the way that happens when when we believe the lies that come with that. It's when we say, "You know what? I'm just yeah, I can't be good enough, so I could never make a difference. I could never be a leader. I could." I could, I'm just not ready to take a step of faith and follow Christ. I'm just not good enough to ever open up God's word and share it with someone else. I'm not good enough to, my goodness, I could never confront anybody about anything wrong in their life because my life's a mess too. If that were the case, we could never talk to anybody about anything negative because we're all messed up. So how would you ever confront somebody if you thought you had to be good enough to do so? Those are the lies that come with that statement. That statement, when you believe the lies that come with it, keep people from following Christ. When the truth is knowing that we can't be good enough puts us in a perfect position to be used by God. When I realize that I can't be good enough and the good things I do don't earn God's love, It frees me up to be a different kind of follower. When I realize that the good things I do are not for God's approval, but because of God's approval, it changes my whole perspective. Even in Scripture, great leaders of Scripture knew that they couldn't be good enough. There's a guy in the Old Testament named Abraham. Look at what he said about himself. When God told him, You're going to be the father of many nations told him how he was going to use him. Abraham said, I'm nothing but dust and ashes. Isaiah, who was an Old Testament prophet, who whose words led to the repentance of an entire nation of people. Isaiah says, I'm ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips. And the apostle Peter, one of Jesus' original 12 that he called to him, a person that Jesus used to lead the very first church in Jerusalem, said, go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man and the apostle Paul who wrote two thirds of this new testament who who planted more churches than anybody else said when he's talking about sinners he says I was the worst of them all see there's a truth that we are going to have to embrace if we're ever going to believe the truth in the statement I can't be good enough And that's the truth that's found in the book of Romans chapter 3 verse 23 when Paul says for all have sinned and fall short of God's glory anybody in here not included in all we all have we all miss the mark we all mess up think of the most godly person that you know the absolute most most godly person who you think, it, maybe it's grandma, grandpa, mom, dad, a teacher, pastor, whatever, you think they, would nev- they could never do anything wrong. Think of that nice, sweet, godly person. And when you have a mental picture of them, think about this. They are a sinner. They mess up. They're included in that all. None of us escape the all that falls short. All of us disappoint. All of us make mistakes. So is it true? You can't be good enough? Absolutely, it's true. Because all falls short of God's ideal for us. If you've ever trusted in someone else, you know no matter how much you trust, they're, they're going to disappoint you on some level. It's just human. I want to tell you a story that might disappoint you in me. A couple weeks ago, I went to Detroit to do a wedding for a friend. And, and uh, when Joel, our worship pastor, and I figured out that we were gonna, I was going to be in Detroit, he's got this old car that he wanted to drive back from Detroit, back to Raleigh. So, so I flew up and then got one-way ticket, and then he flew up Sunday night. And then Monday, we're going to drive this 67 model. I'm a 67 model. I'm like, my goodness, we're going to drive this car that's my age all the way back to Raleigh. So we're waiting on the car to get finished. And, and Joel's parents live on a farm. So he's showing me around the farm because I didn't grow up on a farm and he's telling me about these critters on the farm and how they tear stuff up. You know, they burrow under the, the barn or they, th- these birds nest and mess up the barn and, and they're dirty and, and, you know, so what do they do to those things, to those of you that grew up on a farm? What do you do? You kill them. You exterminate them in a very unmerciful way. So we're getting bored, waiting on the car to get ready. Joel brings out the 20-gauge shotgun. I'd not fired a shotgun since I was a teenager, and, and then it was like, no big deal. I didn't grow up with guns or hunting or anything like that. So so Joel walks out, and here's some of these birds that they say that mess up the barn and all that, that do, not just that they say, they really do. And there's just you know a dozen of them out there in the yard, and he pulls up the shotgun, pow, and kills a bird. And I'm like, he just killed something right in front of me. <laughs> with violence and it didn't even die it was flopping around so his dad goes over and like stomps on it and kills it and I was like oh my goodness I mean you know what's going on I was so that might disappoint you and Joel so he's like you got to shoot the gun you got to shoot the gun so we look around there's no birds to shoot no birds to shoot which I was not really excited about shooting a bird i only other time I'd killed a bird was with a bb gun as a kid and I turned my gun back into my parents because I was so ashamed of myself for killing this harmless little bird so I shoot a jug, boom, you know, blow the jug up and 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 then this bird flies up in this tree and whatever came over me, I don't know, it was the gun, I guess, and, and I'm aimed up in that tree and first shot, I mean it was a good distance away. I fired that gun and the bird poof, 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 falls down and it's flopping around. And he's like, shoot it again, and I was like, pow, and I shot the thing again. I was like, what if I become I've been gone for like three days and I'm a murderer, I killed a bird and and so, so Joel's dad goes over, picks up this bird, and they want to take my picture with this bird, and I was like, no way, if if I go home, I didn't know that was going to be up there, that's actually me holding the jug with the dog Cody and the actual shotgun on the farm, that's actually the tree I shot the bird out of right behind me, that's a fake bird, by the way, that bald eagle that they put on the picture, so, you know, I said, you can't take a picture of me with this bird. My daughters will be so disappointed when they see it on Facebook because I know that's probably where that'll end up too. That might disappoint you in me and Joel that we are bird murderers. <laughs> it was for a good cause, I guess. The truth is, everybody's gonna disappoint somebody and we all fall short. In fact, the word sin literally means to miss the mark. Think of an archer shooting at a target and he never gets right in the middle. That's us. That's sin when we miss the mark. And we're all in that together. We're all in the same boat in that we all mess up and we all make mistakes. But then when our enemy distorts that truth of we can't be good enough, we tend to think try to prove ourselves like, oh, oh, yes, I can. I can be good enough. But then when we're not good enough, it brings the condemnation. The Bible says we don't have to live under if we follow Christ. But when we believe that we can be good enough and then we fall short, we're living with condemnation we should not have to live with. Anybody, how many people in here have church experience? Before Life Point, you went to another church. You know what that's like. And many of you didn't. This is your first experience with church. And those of us who have been part of churches, other churches, some churches can cause people to believe that they just can't be good enough. You just can't do enough. You've just, you, you just got to do everything just right, and, and, and you're going to please God by your performance. And if you get this list of things just right, and if this name is on the door, and this list of doctrine is in your brain, then you're okay, and God is pleased with you, and he's patting you on the back, and he's saying, you're so much smarter than anybody else that ever tried to follow Christ. You somehow found this group of people and this doctrine, and you're right. I've tried that. It's not fun at all. That's where you meet people that that they say they follow Christ, but it's like, could you tell your face about it and your attitude about your your relationship with Christ? Because you sure don't have it. That's when people fall into the performance trap. See, Paul was just talking, Paul's getting ready to talk about the performance trap. The performance trap is when you say, if I could just be a little bit better. If I could just get all this stuff right and read my Bible enough and tell enough other people about Christ, if I could just get a little bit better, that brings a false sense of security because eventually you're going to miss the mark, and then you're going to think, I'm terrible, what a wretch man I am, I'm awful, how could God ever love me because I did not perform up to his expectations? So anybody that has security in their performance, eventually they're not going to be able to hit the home runs anymore. They're not going to bat 1,000. It's just not going to happen. And then those are the people who end up living their lives full of guilt because they thought, well, if I do enough good things, if I'm a good enough do-gooder, then God's going to love me. That's called the performance trap. The Apostle Paul used to live his life under the performance trap, and he's trying to tell a group of people at a church that he planted. Look, you don't need to live under the performance trap, and he talks about it in the Book of Philippians, chapter three, beginning at verse four. And he's trying to tell them, don't live in the performance trap. And he says, yet if I could have confidence in my, if I could have confidence in myself, anyone could. If others have reason for confidence in their own efforts, I have even more for I was circumcised when I was eight days old. Now, that's not a big deal today. That's not a religious thing today. It really doesn't mean anything religiously. But then, I mean, they equated circumcision with salvation. So he's starting out saying from eight days old, I was doing everything I could to follow Christ. They even they even went to, so far as to say, if you're not circumcised, you're not saved, which would be a bummer to find out when you're like 30 years old, wouldn't it? so it's like well you got to evaluate that right so he's trying to tell people look i i'm a good guy it started when i was eight days old that's all right that's okay i'm not i'm not saying names i'm not saying names so eight days old he's saying i I did what i I did what i was supposed to do and then he says having been born into pure-blooded jewish family that is a branch of the tribe of benjamin he's trying to say this is my this is my background. This is who I am. It's like saying my uncle's Billy Graham and my cousin's mother, Teresa. I'm a big deal. And he goes on to say, so I'm a real Jew if there ever was one. What's more, I was a member of the Pharisees who demanded the strictest obedience to the Jewish law and zealous. Yes. In fact, I harshly persecuted the church and I obeyed the Jewish law so carefully that I was never accused of any fault. So nobody went up to Paul when he was under this performance trap and said, hey, you got a problem. They didn't. Is something going on? Everybody getting a (laughs) phone call. Uh, Let's all check our ringers. Make sure they're off. So Paul was under this performance trap, not just of the 10 commandments, the 613 commandments in the Old Testament. Paul was never accused of breaking any of those. And he's saying all of this Good stuff you think you're doing? He's said, I've got reason to put confidence in what I do. Because I did it all right. I was under the performance trap. Now, what does it look like today if someone's under the performance trap? If you're taking notes, write this down. You fall into the performance trap in two ways. One, you attempt to please God by following rules. By by, by and that's going to be different based on your church tradition, but it's basically feeling good about yourself because you've you've obeyed a certain number of rules and so god must be pleased with me because of what i do i'm okay because i read my bible a certain amount of times a day or pray a certain amount of times a day or in a week or i invite somebody to church so now i'm okay with god and god's really pleased with me i'm okay because of the things i do or you could say i'm okay because of the things i don't do I don't watch R-rated movies. I only watch PG-13 if it's not nudity, but violence. Violence is okay, but not nudity, so I don't do PG-13. I don't listen to the secular music. I only listen to music if it talks about Jesus, whatever. You define your goodness based on the things you don't do. That's being in the performance trap. Another way we fall into the performance trap is to believe that our worth is based on what we produce and how we perform. Now, we live in a culture that's really hard not to believe that because think about it. People who are really, really good at something. take a person that's great at sports. Don't they kind of get more breaks? I mean, they do. They, I mean, if somebody's really good at a sport, but, you know, really dull on the academic side, they'll get them through. I guarantee they will because, hey, you've got this You've got something that brings worth to your life. I'm not saying that's a bad thing for me to focus on their gifts. Or if somebody's great academically, they get more breaks than the people who aren't and can't perform. But what that does, people end up transferring that over into a relationship with God the where they think, God, because I perform well, I must be worth more because I know how to do this, or I've done that, or I've got this many, this many things to my credit in the kingdom of God, then, then I must be worth more. So we take that view of the world, bring it over into the church and our relationship with God and think, because I perform, God loves me more, and God's better, better pleased with me. Hey, as a leader, I have to confess to you, I fall into that trap. That's such an easy trap to fall into. I feel good because, hey, this week when we talk about, hey, how many people were at church this week? The first several rows have some people in it. Maybe not this one right here, but I'm back. And, I, and when you're way back there, when I have to feel like I need to come down there and talk and there's nobody in the first 10 rows, I don't feel as good. I don't know why. I'm not saying it's right, but I, do, I fall into that trap. Last week, driving away from our baptism service where 21 people followed Christ in baptism, I was like, yeah, that's awesome, that's great. And the thought occurred to me, what if it was just one? What if we did all that advertising and all that Bible study with people and just one person said, I want to make this commitment and follow my Lord in baptism. Would I be be just as proud of myself? So I fall into that same trap. It's like, is God more pleased with me because there's more numbers? Is God like, did, does he have a picture of me in his wallet? And he's going like, hey, this is Donnie. Let me tell you what. I had 21 baptisms last week. And they're getting ready to launch a third site. I am proud of him. He is the man. I mean, is that, is that the way God acts? Is that him? Is he, is he more proud of me because I produce? Or does he just love me because I'm one of his children? And I've got to come to grips as a leader with the fact Whether there's hundreds or thousands of you or one or two, God doesn't look at me and say, come on, you're not performing. If you want me to love you, you're going to have to gather more people than that. And that's a hard thing to get out of is the performance trap. And just enjoy the fact that God loves us as his children because we are his children not because we do anything well or not. The same reason you love your kids. If you've got more than one child, you'll notice some one may be better at something than the other. Do you, do you love them less? Of course not. Do they have to perform for your approval? Of course not. Or they shouldn't. The performance trap leads us to believing that what I produce and how I perform is related to my worth. So what the Apostle Paul said in this passage of, i got all these great things I've done, but let me tell you where rules get you. He's, he goes on to say in verse 7, But whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What's more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I've lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. And he's saying, everything you are worth or ever will be worth to God, you have it right now. You have it right now in the middle of missing the mark, in the middle of making mistakes, you have it right now. Now. And I'm always going to miss the mark. We're all part of that all that falls short of God's glory. But the truth of the statement, you can't be good enough, is the pathway to freedom. Because you can know someone, Jesus Christ, who can be good enough. That's what Paul says. It's all rubbish compared to what I've got in Christ. So all the great things I can do mean nothing compared to the grace that comes. Through knowing christ so now the pressure to perform is off it's completely off and, and there's people who i know are here today standing outside the family of god because you think you don't have enough fixed up in your life yet to either follow christ in baptism or to accept christ and say i want to be a part of the family of god and you're thinking when i get this fixed then i'll accept christ When I get this taken care of, then I can take part and follow Christ in baptism. When I get this taken care of, I have a family member who continually has told me for the last 20 years, I'm to this to be a Christian. And when I get this fixed, then I'll consider it. And I bet there are people here today, you're thinking the same thing. When I get these things fixed, and when I'm able to do this, then I'll step into the family of God and say, God, I finally got it all fixed up. Here I am. If that's you, you need to know that if you're waiting on yourself to get it fixed up, you will die lost and separated from God because you can't fix it all up. I mean, if you've got any amount of intelligence to you at all, if you could fix something, you would, wouldn't you? If you could fix yourself, then God just go ahead and do it. Just get it done today. Why wait if you can? The fact is you can't. And people who come to Christ and say, you know what, I can't fix anything in my life. There's not, there's not enough goodness in me to fix anything. Only through coming before Christ saying, I messed up, I can't do it, but I want my relationship with you to take care of it all. That's the only way, is to bring all that mess in front of God, because He knows anyway, and allow Him to fix it. And that's where you'll have the strength to fix it. That's where you'll have the strength to be good enough, because then the goodness is His goodness, not ours. That's when you'll have the strength to realize that all the works that we do, the Apostle Paul calls them rubbish. In fact, the word he uses is a little, is a little stronger than the English word rubbish. It's a Greek word. It's pronounced skubula. And the best way to describe skubula is, is uh, we live near the the one of the Raleigh Greenway trails. And there are these people out there walking their dogs all the time, and they have a food laying bag with them. And it took me a while to figure out because I... We have a dog. I like it. I love my kids. You know the story, guys, if that's you. So I don't walk our dog. Isn't that terrible? I kill birds and I don't walk my dog. And so you know what people do with that food line bag? How many non-dog owners are in here? Gosh, everybody. Okay, a few of us don't have, few people don't have dogs. The food line bag is for what the dog leaves behind to pick it up. And put it in. Ooh, that's what I said the first time. I saw somebody like, what are they? Oh, they're. N- oh my gosh, they are. They, you know, put the food line bag over their hand, grab it, and then hold it back, and then they got it. They got the scoobal in their hand, and then they take <laughs> the bag, and they throw it away. And I'm like, that is the nastiest thing I think I've ever seen. Doesn't that stuff decompose? I mean, why do you have to pick it up? People do it. I think it's nasty. That's what Paul calls our works. In fact, scuba means what's thrown to the dogs, or excrement, or dung. So all of of me patting myself on the back saying, man, that was a good sermon. I really enjoyed that one, you know. If nobody else enjoyed it, I enjoyed it, I loved it, or whatever. Or that was a good thing to do. Paul would say, that's what's in the food lion bag when people take their dogs for a walk. If you think that stuff is going to make God love you anymore, that's what it really is, if you really want to know it's scuba. that's what it i didn't make it up go look it up that's what it means that's what our works are when we try to use them to get approval from god the truth is i don't have what it takes but that frees me up to serve god not to get his approval but because of his approval Paul goes on to say in another book in Galatians, when he's talking about where his strength comes from, he says, But when God called me by his grace to reveal his son in me, so that I might preach him among the Gentiles. You know, grace is when you get something that you don't deserve, when you're given a gift. And if you're one of those people who say, but when I get this fixed, then I'll be a leader. When I get this fixed, then I'll, get, I'll be a small group leader. When I get this fixed in my life, then I'll open up God's word and share it with other people. When I get this fixed in my life, I'll be a better parent or I'll, I'll do this better or that better. But when I get this fixed, I'll take care of it, honey. I promise, just let me get this stuff fixed. And Paul would start out that statement saying, you will never get anything fixed. Paul started his statement, but when God, but when God called him, And it's the same thing for us. If you're saying, but when I get this done, then I'll do this. That's the performance trap when you start out like that. And Paul says, but when God. That's who calls us. That's who makes us perfect. That's who takes us when we miss the mark and brings us back to the center and says, you can't be good enough, but I can. And I'm your father and I love you. And it's all going to be okay. That's that's what it means to say, but when God, when God gets into my marriage, when God gets into my life, when God gets into my relationships with other people, when God gets into the stuff I've messed up with, but when God does that, then things will change. But if you try to fix it, it's not going to work. And here's the blockbuster point of today. If you're taking notes, write this down. When I realize that God accepts me through Christ, I'm no longer living for his approval, but from his approval. The Bible says things like, His power is made perfect in my weakness. The Bible says, When I am weak, He is strong. So when God's power is in our life, it's made perfect in our weakness, and we do things not to be do-gooders and to earn anything from God, but because God approves and loves us and cares for us, and wants to help us stop missing the mark. Without him, you'll never change. With him, and with the relationship with Christ, you will. I bet while I've been talking, you've thought, man, I'm, some of you have thought, I'm trapped in the performance trap. I'm just trying to please God by what I do. And I'm saying, when this happens, then I'll take that next step. It'll never happen. Today, we want to offer you an opportunity to leave the performance trap. AJ, Cynthia, and myself, we're going to be over in Theater 2. The band's going to come down now and start to play. and We're going to stand up together in just a minute, and I'm going to pray. The band will play. And as you exit, when the band's finished, if you would like for us to pray for you, or if you would like to say, you know what, I've, I've been waiting to get stuff fixed up, and now I know I can't. Just pray for me and I want to step into the family of God, whatever it is. If it's just a prayer for anything, come and talk to us. Just when you go out this door, hang a left, and we'll be over there in theater too to talk to you, to pray with you, and to help you forever shed the performance trap. Let's stand and pray. God, thank you for the truth of your word. The truth that tells us we do not have to live under the performance trap. God, you love us right where we are. And God, I pray for those that stand outside the family of God that today would help them see that they don't have to get all fixed up first. They just come to you. Your grace is all that we need. And I pray this in Jesus' name.